Here's our guest, ladies and gentlemen, J. Michael, Michael Waller. He's the author of Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. Mr. Waller, how are you? Hey, good to be with you. I'm excited about this. This is the kind of stuff I really uh, uh, I find intriguing, very interesting. Most people today know that our Department of Justice has weaponized uh, segments of it. Most people believe it's just the CIA, just the FBI. Um, but I think that most people, uh, Michael, believe that this is a subversion of the FBI and CIA is a recent phenomenon, like maybe in the last 10, 20 years. But uh, according to your book, it, it started way longer than that. It did, not so much with the FBI, but certainly with the CIA and our foreign intelligence services. It's, it started during World War II. Um, and when you say, and then it, it, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, go on. You say the left. Oh, I could go on forever. Yeah, 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 after, yeah. After yeah. <laughs> um, what was the impetus, the very beginning? Can you trace it back to that level? Well, for the, for the CIA, it started in World War II when we were recruiting a new intelligence service, and we recruited a lot of Communist Party members who were Soviet agents. They weren't just, you know, had a different idea. They were actually working for Stalin's victory, not only over Hitler, but over us after defeating Hitler. And they went into the Office of Strategic Services, which was our first intelligence service. Well, that was disbanded after World War II, and then they went into the State Department and other government branches, and, and some including into the CIA, and then and into academia, where they then developed theories on international relations to teach the next crops of intelligence officers and analysts and government officials. That's that in a nutshell. The FBI resisted a lot until about the past, uh, oh, uh, 15 years. All right. Um you, you speak of the um, uh, of an outfit known as the Frankfurt School, a uh, network of Marxist academic agitators. Are these the people you're talking about? Yeah, and that was the origin of the first infiltration of our intelligence during World War II. This was a this was a set up by the Soviets as one of the very first Soviet active measures campaign in in uh, 1922 in Moscow at the Marx Engels Institute. And that was to create a school in Germany of intellectuals that would take Marxism, but not overthrow society from a violent revolutionary perspective, but to take it over by, by destroying the culture. So you're destroying people's sense of love of country. Uh, you're destroying their sense of, of, uh, of uh, identification with religion, with the church, with, with family. These things were all seen as repressive. So countries were repressive. Parliaments were repressive. Uh, uh, church was repressive, morals are repressive, parents are repressive. And then beneath that, you know, anyone who is, you know, any white person is then repressive. And so anyone who's a part of the Judeo-Christian ethic, that's oppressive. So we have to go back and resist all this, organize together among the repressed, uh, aggrieved groups, and then fight them. So that's cultural Marxism. And that's what the Frankfurt School was done to do to destroy Germany. But then we took them in as refugees. Where they came to destroy us. <laughs> um, the way that our uh, Department of Justice, and I don't know if that's the uh, the uh, the head of the snake or not, um, but w w you say the twenties and maybe after World War Two, where, where those times in which our uh, these three letter outfits were um, weaponized against our own people, uh, uh, citizens of the United States, or were you talking about foreign affairs? Well, that was foreign affairs for the CIA, which by law is not supposed to be operating against Americans right. in America. Uh, the FBI was a different thing. It, J. Edgar Hoover ran it for 48 years. 
But when he was a, a young uh, lawyer in the Justice Department, right after World War II, 25 years old, he headed up what was called the Radical Division. And he had the job that I would love to identify all the foreign Marxists, radical socialists, communists, and anarchists who were here to overthrow our country and to deport them back to Russia. I'm all about that. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So, so, and so he is starting then, uh, you know, that's how he got his start. So it was not as a lawman fighting gangsters. It was, his role was to fight Marxists and anarchists and communists and anyone who was out to overthrow our government. Right. It sounds fair. Well, there was a group that was set up specifically to oppose him, and that group was called the American Civil Liberties Union uh, back in the early 1920s yep. to provide legal support to these communists and anarchists. And America was beset with anarchist terrorist violence, so they assassinated President McKinley, and that made Teddy Roosevelt president uh, after they assassinated It was an anarchist who assassinated him. You had uh, anarchist bombings and communist violence. Um, even before the Bolshevik Revolution in the United States, and then trying to sabotage us during World War One. And Leon Trotsky was in New York City right. before we entered World War One to try to sabotage us. So this is this was nothing new, but we didn't have a really a federal, we didn't have a big federal central government until Franklin Roosevelt and the New Deal, and that's when he he elevated. J. Edgar Hoover's office at the Justice Department, which was now the Bureau of Investigation, he, he elevated it to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which is what we have today. Um, so we've when people talk about there's hearings about this, lawsuits about it uh, uh, against the Biden administration for weaponizing the government. Um, when do we see the FBI begin to be used by uh, the party in power against their political opponents? Because this can't be the first time this uh, the job they're trying to do on Trump. Oh, no, it happened from the start. It, President um, uh, Warren Harding, he was elected in 1920. He used the Bureau of Investigation, this was before Hoover, to spy on his political opponents. He was a Republican. And then you had two more Republicans, Coolidge and, and President Herbert Hoover, no relation. And then Franklin Roosevelt, the big Democrat, used the FBI to spy on not only his political opponents, but on his friend. Who's that? And, and Roosevelt loved it. When when Jay, he would get, have J. Edgar Hoover come in and give him briefings of all the illicit sex activity of his his adversaries in Congress, and he, but it was like to get his kicks almost. It was really a weird thing. Uh, he also spied on Eleanor Roosevelt's appointment secretary, and Eleanor Roosevelt wrote a very nasty letter to Hoover saying that he was setting up a Gestapo. Wow. Um, but of course, she was a Stalin sympathizer, so Hoover yeah. was right to investigate that person. Wow, all the way back to Warren G. Harding. I, I've heard tales of uh, LBJ bugging an airplane once to get some information using the FBI. Does the FBI, uh, I know the, 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 the office, uh, the Oval Office, um, uh, nominates the, uh, the head of the DOJ or, you know, uh, your Merrick Garland type. Uh, so there, that's not an elected position. And Merrick Garland turns around and, and nominates or, or hires or whoever he wants to. Uh, so are we to assume, Mr. Waller, that, that whoever's in that office is in charge? Do they get the key to the DOJ, to the, you know, to the weaponizing key when, when the Oval Office changes hands? Or is it strictly a Democrat thing now? It seems to be, uh, it seems to be to most people a Democrat thing. Well, yeah, Truman and Eisenhower did not weaponize the FBI. The Kennedy brothers did. 
they 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 hated Hoover, but they wanted to use him as their own enforcer. LBJ loved it, and he really deployed Hoover. So Hoover was really supporting any president. Nixon, who who liked Hoover and who knew him since the forties, uh, knew the danger and, and wanted to get rid of him. And then Hoover Hoover died. Uh, but then it was uh, F senior FBI agents who overthrew Nixon yeah. by leaking all the Watergate stuff to the Washington Post. So you had this weaponization taking place, but it was only directed against. Only, I mean, in quotes, directed against individual politicians, you know, or individual democratically elected leaders, but it was not weaponized against the American public at large the way it is now. At what level do does I mean the FBI? I like to think that there's hundreds of thousands of uh, you know average FBI guys that are aren't corrupt that are doing their job and are and are really uh, you know uh, great um, law enforcement officers. But at what level does this corruption come from? And, and is, is everyone there of, uh, uh, aware of it? It comes from a few levels. I know I've known people in the Bureau for a long, long time, and I still know them in there, and I like a lot of them. Uh, and they're, you know, from every walk of life. And they're trying to do their job. But if you're in a system now that, that since 9-11, a whole different, it, it became centralized, and it became bureaucratized even more, and you had to have all this box checking in order to get promoted. Well, imagine then when someone like um, uh, Obama becomes president, and then he puts in his radical attorney general, the Merrick Garland equivalent, and then now he weaponizes the bureau, but the bureau bureaucratically says you have to go by all these different criteria, and then they add criteria. So diversity, equity, and inclusion became under uh, Obama, and then under 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 Christopher Ray, a, quote, core function of the FBI on rank with defending the Constitution. Unbelievable. Uh, I think most You're of You're not going to get promoted unless you go along and right. actively participate. Right, right. Uh, I think most people became aware, the, the January 6th investigation, uh, you know, January 6th itself, when most people started to learn that there were agents that had infiltrated Proud Boys, agents that had infiltrated uh, the other groups, uh, and the agents undercover on the ground, uh, maybe spurring on some violence, exciting people like this. Uh, I think that's the point where most people said, I can't believe that my FBI did this. And then we learned that they were involved. Uh, that type of war, the, the, the dragnet they used afterwards to, to get people's bank records. If you were on a bus that was anywhere in the near the DC area, you were going to be arrested and investigated. Uh, that's when I, I think when Americans think that their, their FBI's turned against them. Do you think that was a little aggressive the way that January 6th was handled? Oh, absolutely. And the fact that, okay, so the Capitol Police don't have their own intelligence collection capabilities. They get everything from the FBI and the Secret Service and DHS. So, so they were those. They police chief uh, Dave Sun, who was the Capitol yeah. Police chief, didn't get these warnings in advance. His underling, who was in charge of intelligence, did get warnings, but she didn't pass them on to him. Hmm. Her, her name was Yogananda um, Pittman, and and she's gone now. She got a nice Nancy Pelosi got her a great job as as a police chief of University of California Berkeley, oh, making nice. hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah, wow. so. So you, you had this, um, there, there's no firm proof, even though there's a lot of smoking guns on this, there's, there's a lot of strong indicators. So we've got a high degree of confidence that there was federal involvement in, in the organizing and provoking, kind of like the, uh, the, the kidnapping plot against the Michigan Governor uh, Whitman. 
you know, it was yeah. it was all FBI agents running it, paying these doofuses to do the job, and then so it was like most of the people involved were FBI informants. So when you have the FBI director and and the head of the National Security Division who's in a position to know she was running the right personnel, they successively go to the oversight committees and the senators ask them, as Ted Cruz did directly, was were any FBI assets or agents involved in the planning or execution of criminal acts of violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? It's a yes or no question. Right. And the FBI won't say no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit aggravating. What are we left to conclude? Right. I mean, it's the number one thing. You, that's what, Instantly, everyone concludes that there were. I mean, why did you, if you said no, uh, we would, you know, at least have reason to believe there weren't any because the director said no, but he can't even say no, which means yes, in most people's opinion. Yeah. And it's not even like, well, how many were there? Because let's say, okay, well, we need informants in there with these radical groups so that we know what's happening. That's understandable. That's yeah. not, so you, you can't infiltrate organized crime unless you're in tight with gangsters. That's a sick thing, but it's understandable. That's how you bust them up. Right. But you can at least say, it's not like the question were how many did you have? That would reveal yes. sensitive law enforcement matters. It's that we're any there, yes or no? It's like, and they won't answer like for 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 three years now. Yeah, that's insane. It's three years. This is we're and, talking and, about, and instead they're attacking, and then and then Chris Ray, the FBI director, leaves a Senate hearing when he's being asked these things. Just hey, <laughs> sorry, I have to go and catch a flight. Oh, like you didn't know that the hearing was going to be here, and you were going to ask me. <laughs> he doesn't go, go commercial. He has his own Gulfstream executive jet. That he tells it went to fly, not vice versa. So he just gives the finger to the to the Senate Oversight Committees because he knows he can get away with it. Right. As J. Michael Waller, we're talking to a former uh, CIA guy. His uh, book is called Big Intel. How the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. If you'd like to, and I, I can't wait to read it, uh, Michael. I think this stuff really intrigues me. Uh, before we wind up, because we run out of time, how do we fix this? How do we get back our intelligence agencies back to uh, 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 a non-political uh, place? Well, in Big Intel, I give two chapters to that. Yeah. And, and really, the, the big thing that lies, and I didn't emphasize it enough in that one chapter, where every citizen has a role now this election year and every election year, when we vote for our sheriffs, how many of us really think of, who am I going to vote for for sheriff this year? You know, it's the top law enforcement officer in the county or the other jurisdiction, and they're answerable to the public because they're directly elected. But they have a constitutional authority to limit and even prevent the FBI and other federal agents from either coming into their areas of jurisdiction or for cooperating with them. So the, the Bureau or ATF or anybody else cannot function effectively unless the local sheriff is providing the uh -huh. eyes and ears and even deputizing federal agents to come in and, and work under state laws. Because the feds can't come in and enforce state laws unless they're deputized by the sheriff. So everybody should ask every sheriff candidate, what are you doing to limit what the FBI can do to abuse us Please don't deputize any of them unless it's some extreme case where, you know, life or death or whatever that's legitimate. And promise us that you won't do this. If you need public support for doing the right thing, please let us know and we'll help you. But you have to make these commitments to us and then and then vote for your sheriffs that way. Good advice. Uh, Jay Michael Waller, the book, Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I can get it at Amazon, I'm sure, right? Anywhere online plus Costco. Okay. 
Man, uh, we're gonna have to do this again where we spend more time uh, chatting about the book. I, I, I'm so intrigued by it, uh, Michael. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Let's do it. It was fun. Thank All right. you. We'll get. I'll have uh, my producer get with you, with your people. Thank you. Great. See you. Awesome.